The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Here we go, Friday, PFTPM here on Peacock and Sirius XM 211. Another Friday closer to death. Miles Simmons joins me. Another draft closer to death. There it is. We can have all sorts of variations and permutations. One week closer to death, one draft closer to death, one week one closer to death, one Super Bowl closer to death. I think we should go ahead and file for the appropriate trademark protections for the entire closer to death family, Miles. I agree with you. And yeah, like you said before, we can just put it on JulianEdelman.com, man. It'll be great. Well, yeah, it will sell better than Foxborough forever. I guarantee you that. But, but that's a low, low bar. I don't think Julian Edelman is laying on a giant stack of dollar bills as a result of the rush to buy Foxborough forever gear. But, hey, at least you tried, Julian. At least you made plenty of money playing in the NFL and will make plenty of money in the media and plenty of money when you come back to play for the Buccaneers, as Tom Brady seems to Ooh. think. But enough of that, at least for now. We may have some fun with that later. For now, let's have some fun, Miles, shall we, with the gentleman who hijacked the entire 2021 draft. Start to finish, he hovers over it, holding his cocktail glass, either with scotch or tequila, depending upon his mood, either neat or on the rocks, maybe with a stone or two, Aaron Rodgers. And it happened so fast yesterday. It really did. And it does feel to me, I, I'm curious to get your take on this. It felt orchestrated to me. Did it feel orchestrated to you? Well, I, I think it did if for no other reason, because Aaron Rodgers doesn't do anything by accident. All right, when he started talking about, oh, my future is a beautiful mystery, that wasn't an accident. Um, when he's you know, come out and said these different things that you know, my future here is not up to me. And those are things that he says that I believe are very calculated. Look, it's very calculated, and you've been pointing this out all the time, like that he is really going hard after being the Jeopardy host to replace Alex Trebek. So Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would do anything by accident, that would leak anything by accident. So, yeah, I mean, whether the timing happened to be because it was basically the first year anniversary of uh, the Packers trading up for Jordan Love and basically starting that clock for Aaron Rodgers' time in Green Bay run out. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But it just certainly seemed to me that, yes, there is some sort of calculation going on here for why all of this stuff is now coming out about Aaron Rodgers. And it's not all that difficult to figure out what his plan is, if it indeed was planned. And I think we both agree that it was. You give the Packers until the draft to do what? To take care of his contract in a way that would provide him with the kind of security that he doesn't currently have. The Packers have been trying to preserve the year-to-year -year existence with Aaron Rodgers. If he slips, we go to Jordan Love. We trade him, we go to Jordan Love. We have that power. We're going to use it, and we used it in 2020. And, oh, 
it motivated Aaron Rodgers to become the league MVP. Hmm. Maybe next year it'll motivate him to become the Super Bowl MVP again. Let's continue to dangle the carrot while we also hover with the stick and we get him in that sweet spot where he's mad enough to play great, but he's not so mad that he comes in and he starts throwing things and creating a fuss and wanting out. Well, the problem is they pushed it too far because now that he doesn't have the kind of contract that gives him the certainty and also... I remember when Donovan McNabb was benched in 2008. There was a report after that season that he wanted a financial apology from the Philadelphia Eagles for what they had done in benching him for Kevin Cobb in a late-season game against the Baltimore Ravens. And I feel like for Rodgers, Miles, the contract isn't the root cause of his dissatisfaction. It's a symptom of it. And it's it's a path to a cure because through a new contract, They can show him the respect and also create a situation where they are bound to him by the way the contract is structured. Fully guaranteed payments over two or three years, for example. Cap charges that would make a trade impossible to accomplish. Almost put them in a position where they'd have to flip Jordan Love like the Patriots had to flip Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's kind of where it is right now, where the contract effort fell apart and now it's... I want out. And we haven't heard from Aaron Rodgers. We have heard from Brian Gutekunst. Surprise, surprise. Football team says we're not going to trade a guy. How many times have we heard a guy from a football team say we're not going to trade a guy? And how many times do they turn around and trade the guy after they say they're not going to trade the guy? Almost 100% of the time, I feel like that's what happens, right? Like <laughs> that's Dave almost Gettleman the precursor always... to the trade. Yeah. We're not yes. going to trade him. That's one of the boxes you check. <laughs> Yes, I remember saying uh, Les Snead when like 2015, deleting Sam Bradford's not the answer. Two weeks later, they trade him for Nick Foles, right? Dave Gettleman saying we didn't just sign Odell Beckham Jr. to to trade him away. And what do they do? They trade him to the Cleveland Browns. So yeah, it usually does seem like the precursor to the trade. But I think the interesting thing about this is, you know, if you're talking about Aaron Rodgers and feeling disrespected, it's it's basically like the Packers made a bet, right? And, you know, they were trying to get Rodgers in the sweet spot or whatever it is. But they also were basically betting that either Rodgers is going to be transcendent, maybe, and he'll help us win the Super Bowl this year, or, and this is what we probably feel is is more likely, he's going to continue to decline because they sort of thought that he was declining in that first year with Matt LaFleur. Now, I don't necessarily get that. I mean, it's not like they didn't make the NFC Championship game. Did they play all that well in the NFC Championship game? No, but San Francisco was really, really good in 2019. So you make that trade up. You get Jordan Love. And I think you're basically betting, hey, Rodgers is going to continue to show that he's falling off. And we are justified in then saying, yeah, Jordan Love is going to be our guy. Because you guys can all see that we're justified in getting rid of Aaron Rodgers in some way, shape, or form. That bet has totally backfired because now, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just won the MVP. They were a true blue Super Bowl contender. And for whatever reason, they weren't able to get things done in that NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay. Fine. But you still have a team that has been two back-to-back NFC Championship games, and you've still got Aaron Rodgers. And I think it makes a ton of sense for Rodgers to not feel loved, if that's the way we want to go about saying it, because he has clearly continued to elevate this team. And Mike, I thought you made a good point in something you wrote today, that Rodgers is the most important person in the organization 
because they don't have owner. So if he's an important person in the organization, they need to start acting like it. And that's the fundamental nature of the impasse here. One of the things I'm going to write later tonight during rounds two and three, so I'll manage to stay awake for the full four plus hours. And I talked to a GM about this yesterday, and this concept has been out there. This isn't anything revolutionary, but the idea that football players are starting to act like NBA players, where they're in control of their careers, they're in control of their futures, regardless of what their contracts say. And that butts up against the old school football guy mentality of you play for us. You just work here. You don't tell us what to do. We tell you what to do. You sign a contract, honor your contract. You have no leverage. We have the leverage play for us, play for no one. And the indications are at least for now that that's what the Packers intend to do with Aaron Rodgers. Now, you can maybe pull that off with a position player. It's hard to pull it off with a quarterback. If the quarterback truly doesn't want to be there, we went down this road with Deshaun Watson just a few months ago before Deshaun Watson's world dramatically changed. The idea that if the quarterback doesn't want to be there, it's one of the reasons why the Bears didn't try to trade for Carson Wentz. He didn't want to be there. You don't want someone at that position, the most important position on the team, who does not want to be there. And the Packers continuously have treated Aaron Rodgers like a blue-collar worker when he truly is a white-collar worker. We say this all the time, at least I do. You can't expect the quarterback to be the guy who is the person who holds teammates accountable, shows up early, stays late, studies films, grinds, and sets the example and does all that stuff necessary to lift the team. And then when it's time to treat him like he's a member of management, say, hey, just go punch your time card and we'll worry about running the business. And I think that attitude has always been present with Aaron Rodgers by virtue of the fact that they traded up last year to get Jordan Love. They're planning for life without Aaron Rodgers. So he is planning to seize this situation. And he is. And we'll see how it plays out. Because this may be, and I saw Ian Rappaport point out earlier today the idea that David Dunn is Rodgers' lawyer and David Dunn was the one who was involved with Carson Palmer when 10 years ago he essentially quit on the Bengals and the Bengals said, go ahead and sit. And it wasn't until an opportunity arose to fleece the Raiders that Carson Palmer's career restarted. Well, if that opportunity didn't arise two days before the trade deadline, Carson Palmer would have been out all of 2011. And then what happens in 2012? Who knows? That's what Aaron Rodgers may be looking at, because I think the Packers, Miles, far more likely to treat Rodgers the way that the Bengals treated Palmer. You want out too bad. We have a contract with your name on it, and we want you to honor it. I, I find it really interesting that that's how they're going about it. And I, there's a part of me that really understands why, um, just from the management standpoint. Look, you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and he's under contract. Why would you want him to just be able to let himself essentially choose, no, I'm done here, and, and this is the way it's going to be, and that I'm going to help pick my destination? I get from their standpoint why they don't want to do that. But I also think it's interesting if you just look at the last couple of years and these top guys that are quarterbacks and what's kind of gone on around the league, it's more and more, it seems like there are just a lot of guys, a lot of veteran guys who are starting to get disgruntled with the management situation. And they're not always under contract. I mean, Tom Brady is obviously the greatest example of this. He leaves the Patriots. He goes down to Tampa Bay and he wins a Super Bowl. You can look at somebody like Philip Rivers, right? 
He leaves the Chargers after decades there, and then he decides he still wants to play. He goes to Indianapolis, and then they make the playoffs. Matthew Stafford, another guy, he doesn't want to go through another rebuild, so he helps them engineer a trade to the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, it's very interesting, right? I mean, you brought up Carson Wentz, but that's another guy that didn't really want to be where he was anymore, so they facilitated a trade to get him out. So it's just interesting to me right now. What is going on with all these different QBs and how they see themselves and how they feel like there is some power that they can use and then use this leverage that they may or may not have in order to start getting what they want and starting to be where they want to be. At some point this weekend, I'm going to write something that looks at all the teams that Tom Brady has screwed up psychologically by what he managed to do last year by going to Tampa Bay and winning a Super Bowl. And the Packers are on the list. The 49ers, I think, are on the list because they could have had Tom Brady. And I think this desperate move to go up and get Trey Lance or whoever they were going to get before they took Trey Lance, oh. Trey Lance but was, was a reaction to the fact that they could have had Tom Brady and they they decided not to, that Brady wanted to play for them, and they said, no, thank you, and look at what they could have had. So the Packers, the Seahawks, the 49ers, there's probably a few more that have been screwed up by what Tom Brady did. But with Rodgers, well, the Patriots, obviously, and look at what the Patriots are doing now. They're going all in because why? Tom Brady's coming to town, the prodigal son's coming home, and you're going to be the fatted calf that gets slayed when he shows up with his new teammates because his team's better than yours right now, which is one of the reasons why they went out and spent all that money in free agency. But with Rodgers' contract, because I think that ship has sailed now, I think that at this point they're not going to give him the kind of security that he's looking for under this threat, under this sense of duress. I'm told that it wasn't just security he was looking for. He was looking for what objectively he deserves. Best player in the league should be paid accordingly. Accordingly, Sims and I have said this multiple times, $33.5 million a year for Aaron Rodgers. That's Jared Goff money. That's Carson Wentz money. That's a slap in the face to Aaron Rodgers. He... Now, look, he'll have plausible deniability because he's not the one doing the negotiating, but highest-paid quarterback in the NFL was on the table at one point. Now, that may have just been a negotiating point, and you'll work off of that, but it's not unreasonable for Aaron Rodgers to want to be the highest-paid player in football, and that definitely would have created a situation where the Packers were bound to Aaron Rodgers. And that's how you show him that you have seen the light. Sorry, Aaron Rodgers, we screwed up last year. We shouldn't have drafted Jordan Love. That was wrong. We value you. You've been loyal to us for all these years. You've said time and again you want to finish your career with the Green Bay Packers. That means a lot to us. We're going to pay you accordingly. And oh, by the way, we don't have an owner into whose coffers the profit flows so he can go buy a super yacht. $70 million in profit last year for the Packers. It just goes right back into the business. Well, why not pay him $45 million plus one to put him ahead of Patrick Mahomes? That was their chance. That chance is gone. And I don't think it's all that controversial that he would have wanted to be the highest paid player in football. He was the best player in football last year. Oh, certainly not. Certainly certainly not. Uh, Look, I mean, he is the guy that many people, at least (laughs) I'm saying many people, I'll at least speak for myself. He's the guy that I thought has been the best player to ever throw a football until Patrick Mahomes came along, right? And so I think, especially when you see what he did this year, he still has it, you know? And he's still, I think, got some really good years left of football left in him. So when he's going out there and he gets that second year with his head coach and he's more comfortable in the offense and he understands the things that they're trying to do that much more, 
and he's got guys that he's so comfortable with, like Devontae Adams out there. It makes a lot of sense that Rodgers was still playing at this high level. And so I think that if you're the Packers, it's almost just hard to admit that you made that kind of mistake, you know, that you should not have traded up to go get this quarterback that you couldn't even use as a backup last year. And I think that that's something that's kind of important to remember. Look, Jordan Love was not the backup QB. They know nothing pretty much about how good or bad Jordan Love is. And if you've got this much of a mystery and now you have Aaron Rodgers out here talking about the things that he's, well, he's not talking about them, leaking the things, I suppose we should say, that have been leaked over the last couple of days. This is a huge mess, especially like I said, you just don't know what Jordan Love is. And you tried to do this thing with this bet and it's not working out for you. And I don't know how you solve that. I really don't. Yeah. And I I was told yesterday that if they do trade Aaron Rodgers, the idea is they go forward with Jordan Love. And I think at this point, they have to see what they have in Jordan Love after they gave up what they gave up to get him and also sacrifice the ability to get guys that can help them get to the Super Bowl and win it last year. You have to see what you have in Jordan Love. But who knows what they have in Jordan Love? And it's okay to admit you were wrong. It was okay to dangle him and trade him. It's okay to say, we're all in with Aaron Rodgers. We made a mistake. The worst thing you can do when you make a mistake is double down. It feels like the Packers are more inclined to double down than they are to mend fences. And so here we are. What happens? Rodgers could retire. He would owe $23 million in signing bonus money that he has yet to earn, plus $6.8 million roster bonus that he earned earlier this year. Sometimes the payment comes later, so they just wouldn't pay it to him. But he's looking at almost $30 million to walk away. That's a lot. And he'd give up $14 million in salary this year if he doesn't play. That's not insignificant. You have other fines and punishments if you do stay away. If it comes down to it, and he does what Deshaun Watson was believed to be ready to do with the Texans. It, it could happen. The Jeopardy angle is out there. I want to run this one by you, Miles, because we exchanged a text message or two on this point. One of the reports floating around out there, and I think it came from Ian Rappaport, the idea that, hey, Rodgers can just go host Jeopardy and walk away. Well, it's awfully presumptuous. Isn't it to throw that out there? I know Aaron wants yes. it. He, he, he's not bashful about saying so. But it's very presumptuous to just assume you're going to get it. And at what point do the Jeopardy people look at this and say, number one, we really don't like being pawns in the middle of this back and forth between Rodgers and his team. It's unseemly. Number two, you are being a little presumptuous here, Aaron. We haven't offered you the job yet. Number three... We see how this relationship between employer and employee is unfolding for Rodgers and the Packers. It may not be an employee that we want to deal with for the next 20 or 30 years. Because if the Packers are having these issues with this guy, who's to say we're not going to have issues with this guy? And I hearken back to a comment that Shereen Williams made yesterday that I won't repeat verbatim. But... I will. It's kind of like, well, well, but what's what's the what's the, uh, the 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 saying is, and and I you know it's it's the word where you can say both halves. You can say ass, and then a few words later you can say whole. If you run into one of those people, you've run into one of those people. If you run into one of those people all day long, you're that person. So if you can't get along with one person, there's somebody that you can't get along with. You can't get along with anyone you're you're the you're the one 
Yeah, well, I, I believe yeah. what Shireen said, and I agreed when she said it yesterday. <laughs> I was watching the show is that he doesn't even really get along with his family. So how are they really expecting <laughs> to be able to get along with him? And I think that that's that was somebody tweeted this too. You know, he this guy probably doesn't seem to talk to his mom very much. And you think you're going to win a standoff with this guy if you're the Green Bay Packers? It's probably not the best idea. But I do think that you are absolutely right that they're being a little bit presumptive right now. This whole oh he can go and host Jeopardy. Who's to say that he was been the best Jeopardy host that's been out there, right? I mean, hasn't well, Ken Jennings been sort of the favorite to take over for Alex Trebek throughout the entire thing? And I know that they're going to continue to get more people in there throughout the summer. LeVar Burton is another guy that's been really campaigning for this thing for Jeopardy, and now he's going to get the opportunity to host it. We'll see how good he is with this. So, yeah, there's no guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is absolutely going to be the host of Jeopardy, whether or not they think they're going to bring in a new audience. I mean, it was cool to watch Aaron Rodgers on there for a couple of days, and I think I maybe watched two or three episodes, but that's not going to make me tune into Jeopardy just because I want to see Aaron Rodgers. Like the, the, the people who watch Jeopardy are going to watch Jeopardy. I don't think you're going to bring in that much of a new audience just because Aaron Rodgers is there. Look, everyone's going to take the high road and say all the right things, but I will suggest something here, and I don't know what actually happened, but when you're there for three long days, day of rehearsals, stressful, anticipation, etc., day one, five shows, long-ass day, stress, etc., next day, long-ass day, at some point, at some point, they're going to see your best, at some point, they're going to see your worst. I don't know what they saw, but my, my point is this. To get back to what you said, it's awfully damn presumptuous to just say, well, I'll just go host Jeopardy and I'll retire. Okay, we should probably talk to the people from Jeopardy before we come to that conclusion. And again, the people from Jeopardy may be watching this very carefully saying, hmm, let's see. Didn't get along with this. Didn't get along with this. Remember when they did the 60 Minutes profile and... One of the storylines was he's really sensitive and his teammates were making fun of him. And then he complained about it. And 60 Minutes issued a statement. He's proved our point. He's so sensitive. He's sensitive about being called sensitive. So that's just reality. And I know that the Packers fans out there still blindly loyal. I don't know how much longer that's going to last, but still blindly loyal to Aaron Rodgers. And uh, and Miles, to kind of put a button on this. It's at the point now where this guy has to tell us what he wants. He's not afraid to tell us he wants Jeopardy. He needs to tell us what he wants professionally. It's getting a little ridiculous. It seems a little childish. Come out and tell us what you want. Don't give us beautiful mystery. Don't give us ambiguity. Don't don't go on any program where you're going to be treated with kid gloves. Sit down and talk to somebody who's going to ask you real questions and give real answers. That's my request of Aaron Rodgers. I think that Aaron Rodgers will go on what he wants to go on and then he will say what he wants to say, which is not going to be very direct. And I know I'm I'm agreeing with you because, look, I don't think it's going to be clear and direct. It's going to be this stuff that he has done years and that he's going to continue to do. And then he'll just say that he doesn't like you when you interpret his words. And just like he's done so far in the draft, the Aaron Rodgers storyline has hijacked the first segment of the show today we'll really find has. a spot to talk about the draft later in the program and what we'll do next we'll talk to our good friend tom Curran of nbc sports boston because a curveball was thrown there just when they thought jimmy g was coming home everything was pointing in that direction no jimmy g mac jones the new quarterback in new england 
other than Cam Newton, because of course Cam Newton's still the quarterback, but they do have Mac Jones. We'll talk to Tom Curran about those dynamics and more about the New England Patriots when PFTPM continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. There they are. Bill Belichick, Mac Jones. Mac Jones sort of perfecting that Bill Belichick walk. There's a great meme going around, too, though, of Mac Jones walking like Heath Ledger's Joker when he was walking out of the hospital in the nurse's uniform in the dark night. Same kind of walk. So Bill Belichick got the guy that that we thought they wanted, but we never thought would be there. He was there. No one jumped 15, and no one from New England had to do anything. They got their guy. We got our guy, Tom Curran, NBC Sports Boston. Tom, give me a number from 1 to 10. 10 being the most surprised that you were when you saw that Jones was there and that the Patriots took him. Boy, uh, that Jones was there, I would put that at about a 9. That the Patriots took him, I'd put that at about a 2.7 because they have a yawning need at quarterback, a capable one who can put his hands at 10-2 and and run an offense, was present, high floor, possibly a relatively low ceiling but a guy who's going to be an improvement at the position of need so to me it, it's not a stunner it, it does surprise me that they didn't have to give up a single thing and they let the draft come to them guys do you think that they were prepared to give up something for mac jones i, I don't know whether it would have been to get the 10 or whatever it happened to have been i i don't think that they were i really don't i don't think that they loved all five quarterbacks. I know they didn't love all five quarterbacks. So my guess is it went Lawrence, Wilson, Jones, then Fields, then Lance. That was my guess. And when Lance went, see, here's the interesting thing about the whole situation with, with San Francisco and Trey Lance. Once Lance goes, you know that Jimmy Garoppolo has to stay almost certainly through 2021 because Trey Lance is not going to be an experienced enough player to lead a Super Bowl caliber offense or team. So you have to keep Garoppolo. So now he's eliminated as a Patriots opportunity to fall from the quarterback tree. And you kind of have your hands tied. If you don't go with Mac Jones, 
you're quite likely going into the season with Cam Newton and Jared Stidham and a lesser player. So we got some tuners around here. Sorry. Would they have brought Garoppolo back? Yeah, I heard that. Would they have brought Garoppolo back? I'm thinking about my next question, though. Would they have brought him back? Because Jermaine Wiggins had the comment from a few weeks ago on WEEI that there's some guys on the team that looked at him funny because he can't stay healthy. And we saw in San Francisco he can't stay healthy. Would they have brought him back? And what price would they have paid below the $25 million he was due to make this year? They would 100% have brought him back. Absolutely. I don't know who would be looking askance at him any more than than we do. Uh, I still think that he's got a demonstrable level of play that he has when he is healthy, that you can say that's, that's workable. That's between seven and and 14 on the quarterback scale in the NFL. That's where I would put him, And that's probably what Mac Jones will be at best. But to me, they probably would have had to get, I would say almost a half the salary buyback, Mike, wouldn't they? Because Bill Belichick's not going to spend 15% of the cap on Jimmy Garoppolo oft injured and Cam Newton not the world's greatest thrower and say this is this is something I like doing. I, I just don't think that would have happened. Well, I tend to agree with you there, Tom. I mean, that's something we've been talking about for ages. Just the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo's salary makes it probably pretty hard for him to be traded, at least uh, as it is currently constructed. But I do want to ask you this about... Matt Jones. I mean, is the Saban connection with Belichick really one of the reasons why this is something that could happen? That he would, that Belichick was so interested in Jones is like if if Matt Jones were John Smith and he played at Texas, do you think that they still would have had the same amount of interest? This was the safest pick he could make, Bill Belichick, in terms, and that's the interesting thing. So, in years gone by, yes, I think that if he liked Mac Jones from Texas, who I have said, he's going to be Colt McCoy. And maybe if Colt McCoy came to the Patriots, he'd be a pro ball player too. Um, Because it matters where you land. And that's why Mac Jones is probably going to have a better year than Zach Wilson. Regardless, he's probably going to be more successful this year than Zach Wilson because of where he landed. But, you know, when the owner takes the bait on the conference call and says, we have to draft better. And he just spent a quarter billion dollars on overall contracts, 172 and guaranteed. And he also says on the same conference call, we have to get a clear and solidified opportunity at the quarterback position or solidify the quarterback position. You're kind of in a band-aid. And I think that Bill said, all right, well, we got a guy who knows he can get his ass chewed by a hard coach. He's not dumb. He's got an acceptable level of play. And we need the guy. So let's just take him. When the odds makers put out the number of starts over under for Mac Jones, eight and a half, six and a half, three and a half, ten and a half, what's it going to be? I was going to say eight, Mike. I was going to say eight. Because here's the thing. Cam Newton is going to be better in 2021. He's not going to have COVID during the year. And I know that I think that was a little bit of a red herring that the Patriots and Cam Newton um, were happy to embrace. He wasn't COVID affected when he was short hopping receivers in December, but he's going to have a full training camp. He is going to be, and it's not going to be prompted the same way that I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers was prompted or um, Tom Brady was prompted by a draftee. But I think the Cam will have a little fire lit under him to prove something here. Um, 
and he's going to compete. And I think he'll start the season as the Patriots quarterback, but there'll be a time when I think his body will prevent him from getting the ball to the Hunter Henrys and John U. Smiths and running the offense the way Cam could and should. And they'll say, okay, we're going to put the other guy in. You just went 13 for 28 and we barely won that game. So you're out. It, it just seems that sometimes, you know, we talk about the Patriots offense and its complexities and all that. Do you think that Jones is going to really benefit from just basically having the offseason, getting that chance, that opportunity to learn the offense in the offseason before he has to start really trying to implement it? Because obviously once the regular season oh, yeah. starts, you just don't get the reps. No, and that's why Jarrett Stidham <laughs> – I keep getting this replayed on me all the time too today. A couple of weeks ago, I also, not just a Mac Jones to Colt McCoy comparison. I said the Patriots already have Mac Jones on the roster. His name's Jared Stidham. Jared <laughs> Stidham still hasn't had an off season. Really his second off season went to Auburn and Baylor and didn't have NFL ready offenses. Mac Jones has. So he's already got a leg up. I think Mac Jones does, but the interesting thing is with the sophistication of the Patriots offense, that is in its totality. There's no reason the entire book has to be thrown at anyone. And it wasn't with Cam Newton. And there were sections of the book that were put to the front because it was Cam. And there were sections that were put in the back because it wasn't Jimmy and it wasn't Tom Brady. So we'll see which part of the book they're working off of. But it's going to be really interesting to see. Is It's a great question, Miles. How do you have two very different style quarterbacks show their best in July, August, and September to make the decision as to who's going to run this team that they spent so much money on and should be able to, Mike, right? Contend, not just in their division, but in the AFC. Where do they go from here in the draft? Corner, offensive tackle, wide receiver. Those are the places I think need addressing. Um, and two, uh, I think edge, they could, they could use somebody to make an off a, an offensive coordinator and uh, a couple of tackles start to sweat a little bit more than they do on the way to the games. Would they rather get one more? Well, let me, let me ask him another one, Miles. I'm sorry. Well, because I'll forget if I don't ask it now, would they rather get Tom Brady early in the year or late in the year? I think I've asked you this before, but I, but I really do think they, they'd have a preference. When do you think it would be? I think their preference would be late in the year, especially with the fact that Bill Belichick, I mean, the Patriots oftentimes, I used to say Columbus Day, the Patriots in the last few years have not declared themselves until closer to Thanksgiving. And that includes that 2018 season when they last won the Super Bowl. They were, boy, I can't, I think they were five and five, five and four, six and five. And then they went on a tear down the stretch. So uh, later in the year, they would prefer, I'm sure, um, and plus bring all those guys up into the cold and have fun up here. Right, well, speaking of TB12, since he, he got brought up and they were showing his highlights there, don't don't you feel like these Mac Jones, Tom Brady comparisons, like they got to stop? Like this is, it just seems like it's too much. No, my, see, you're, you're right. It has to stop because all of it is fair from the body type to the mild underdog status while in college. But, Tom Brady became Tom Brady from 2000 to 2006 when he looked at Drew Bledsoe and said, he can't outwork me. He's got a wife. He's got three kids. He's got responsibilities. He's fat, happy, and has a $100 million contract. I want those things. So will Mac Jones be prompted the same way Tom Brady was? <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> 
Too many the nipples. The one with the cigar is even better than that one. Too many nipples. I mean, there's got to be an over-under on your show for nipples, and that's four of them right there. Uh, but that, to me, is, is the greatest difference between everybody can play like Tom Brady did, but are you going to be that maniacal and weird to the level that he has been to have your entire life and all your cells and DNA revolve around it? Mike, too, you got to stop. There is no Julian Edelman comeback coming. Well, <laughs> but... Did you see that? I don't think there is either, but did you see Tom Brady last night joking about it? And, and like, there was a little bit of a glint of truth in what Tom Brady said. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and have a listen. And then we can get your thoughts on whether you believe it. We know, we know Julian didn't retire. Let's be honest. He's just too scared to. He's too scared to tell Bill he wanted to come to Tampa. <laughs> guys, guys, is Julian froze or is his hair stuck like I've that? I've been there. No, I, I, I see it's uh, it's it's springtime for the Bradys because uh, he's got his little uh, sailing stripes on and you know, enjoying <laughs> hey, that wonderful weather out bay. in Florida. <laughs> I'm in, I'm the, in bay. the bay. And, and later, Kevin Hart asked him point blank whether or not he is just doing all this to set up his return, and yep. he kind of gave an tongue-in-cheek response yeah I don't think he's coming back but I didn't think Rob Gronkowski was coming back either Tom I know and I guess on the surface it, it makes sense to compare the two but the relationship between Gronkowski and the Patriots and Edelman and the Patriots are South Pole North Pole I mean they could not be any more different I mean Belichick bent over backwards to make sure that Edelman was ushered into retirement with all the benefits and realized as much of his money as he could Edelman's body gave out he just can't do anymore Gronk was sick of the being pressured pressured to practice Julian practiced as much as he could um his body's done they can't so I'll shave an eyebrow Mike I'll shave an eyebrow if he comes back Oh, well, you know, I don't know that I want to see that. I don't know that I want to see that. I'm not willing to take that action. I don't want to see you without an eyebrow. I'm not going to take that action. Well, come up with something. We'll shave it. All right. Tom, we appreciate some of your time. I, I hope sure. you're parked in a safe spot. I remember the time we did this yeah. and you were like on the side of the road and trucks were whizzing by. So good to see. Good to see that you're safe. And good to see you as always. Enjoy the rest of the draft, and we'll talk to you real soon. Where are you? Where are you anyway? I'm, uh, wow, I would say I'm eight miles from Gillette uh, on my way to the office, and I'm in a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot in Norwood, Mass. See, and there's the donkeys right right there. Drive safely. Have fun. Enjoy the draft. We'll talk soon. All right, we'll be back right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. 
it probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello. Zavin. Steve Kime. Steve, how's it going? Good, man. You got some dogs in the background? What do you, what do you got going on there? Steve, how's it, how's it going? Stop, stop, stop. I didn't tell you I was picking you yet, man. Tell them to calm down a little bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> All my family's here. You ready to roll? Steve, we're going to... Kill everyone. <laughs> We're going to kill everyone. I like it. I like it, man. Keep that mentality. And we're going to get a Super Bowl ring so big on our on our fingers that a show dog wouldn't be able to jump over. I love it, man. I love it. We're good. We'll keep that attitude. Zayvon Collins. There's the official call, Zayvon Collins, intriguing prospect, Tulsa linebacker, 6'4", 260, versatile high school quarterback. No comp in the modern NFL because guys his size end up being edge rushers. Look, they reacted the way they did when Steve Kime called because they knew, they knew the Cardinals were going to take him at 16. I knew the Cardinals were going to take him at 16. If Jalen Waddell, Patrick Sertain, and J.C. Horn were off the board, he was going. To the Cardinals, if still on the board. No one else took him. Everyone was on notice. Everybody reads PFT, even the people who claim they don't. If anybody else would have wanted him, they had to jump the line in front of the Cardinals. They didn't. When that phone rang and it said Steve Kime, he knew why he was calling. He knew. It was known. They were taking him, and they took him. And he is, to me, one of the most fascinating prospects in this draft because of that versatility. And you throw him onto that defense with Chandler Jones and Buda Baker and J.J. Watt. And you move him around. You get one of these pieces where you can put him wherever you want. Wreaks havoc on a on an opposing offense, Miles. Yeah, and they may get a ring so big that a show dog won't even be able to jump over it. That is the funniest thing I think I've ever heard in a draft call. <laughs> All right, so who won the first round of the draft? I'm reluctant to do this because we're not going to know which of these guys are good. We're not going to know which of these guys aren't good. Half of them, on average, aren't going to be good. Those teams will have lost the draft. We won't know right away. But knowing what we know now, seeing what we saw last night, give me a team that you think won the night. Uh, I would say that I think the Chargers won the night uh, because they were able to get a left tackle, a clear position of need, and they were able to get one of the best ones on the board in Rashawn Slater. I mean, and they didn't even have to trade up in order to get him. They let the board come to them as the, as general managers love to say this time of year. And when you do that and you fill this clear position of need, look, they have done the things that they need to do to protect their young quarterback. You have the left tackle, you have a center in Corey Lindsley who has come in as a free agent, somebody that played in a really good offense for a number of years, played with one of the best quarterbacks in the league with Aaron Rodgers there in Green Bay. I love that the Chargers have been able to do what they have done 
um, over the course of this offseason. And I think that they should continue to be an ascending team with the new head coach. I agree with you. And look, the way it fell, they got the number two offensive lineman at spot 13. They weren't going to get Penny Sewell without moving up. So it works out well for them. I'm going to say the Bears, not because I'm convinced Justin Fields is going to be great, but but I like the fact that the organization was willing to, as a practical matter, make it known Ryan Pace is going to be here for at least a couple of years. Matt Nagy is going to be here for at least a couple of years. At least I hope that's what the message is because you can't put these guys on the hot seat. Now you can't fire these guys after this year. If they go six and 11, you have to give this some time. Let's see what Justin Fields is. And I like the resolve. I like the willingness to get back on the horse four years after trading up for Mitchell Trubisky blew up in their faces. They trade up even farther. They give up even more next year's first round pick to get Justin Fields. So if it works, They're going to forget about the fact that they could have had Patrick Mahomes. That's the goal. Because until Patrick Mahomes retires, you're going to be dogged by that until you find your own franchise quarterback. I respect them for number one, giving it a try. And number two, hopefully sending the message. Pace and Nagy are sticking around. Bears fans, deal with it and just sit back and enjoy the ride. The one thing that I would counter that with is that they fired John Fox a year after trading Mitchell or trading up and getting Mitchell Trubisky. So Matt Nagy, maybe you're on the hot seat, but Ryan Pace, man, you just made have bought yourself another couple of years because who knows how many franchise quarterbacks you get to draft before you get it right. Uh, I'm going to stick with the NFC North for my second winner. That's going to be the Detroit Lions. And I think that they did a great thing in bringing in Panay Sewell. And I think that he has the potential to be a great tackle. I mean, you see the things that he was able to do at Oregon. He's a nasty guy there on the offensive line. He brings that tenacity. That's something, of course, that Dan Campbell wants with his kneecap biters. And I think it's going to be fun to watch that offensive line work. Look, the only way for Jared Goff to really show his potential is if he's got a clean pocket most of the time. You know, I think we all know that after seeing his most successful years in Los Angeles there with Sean McVay. So when you've got somebody like Taylor Decker at left tackle, you've got Frank Ragnow at center. Now you bring in Sewell as the right tackle. You've got three really good anchor points to be able to make sure you've got a clean pocket. And with Anthony Lynn, they should be able to run the ball better too. So at least on first glance, I mean, I guess I'm just biased to offensive linemen, but yeah, I think the, the, the Lions also won if we are going to declare winners after one night. Sticking with offensive linemen, the Vikings being able to trade down from 14 and pass on Elijah Vera Tucker, who was taken at number 14 by the Jets, who traded up. They get Christian Derisaw at 23. Rick Spielman, the GM of the team, said today they were trying to trade up to get Derisaw. They didn't have to. He fell to them, and they get two extra third-round picks. He thinks that... The third and the fourth round of the sweet spots of this draft. They need edge rushers, so they got a guy they may have taken at 14 anyway. They get two extra third-round picks for their trouble. And and uh, the, the one little P.S. about the Vikings, if Justin Fields had been there at 14, that would have been a very interesting decision for them to make, and they very well may have taken Justin Fields, which would have not done much to help them win now, but it, it would have... Uh, created the same reaction from Kirk Cousins that we got last year from Aaron Rodgers. All right, who lost round one, Miles? Again, with the caveat, we don't really know, and please feel free to play our words back in a couple of years if we're both alive then, or if you know we're all alive then, because Kyle Shanahan says we all could be dead by Sunday. So give me somebody who lost round one. 
Uh, you know what? I, I would say the Raiders just because they keep doing this thing where they tend to reach for guys. And the last time they reached for an OL, it didn't look like it worked in the first year, but it has over the last couple of years. And that's in 2018 when they drafted Colton Miller. Now they just signed him to a big extension. So that's worked out. But if you look over the last couple of years and what they've done when they've reached for guys, right? Cleveland Furl, Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs. I mean, maybe you want to throw Jonathan Abram in there. I don't know. I think that he probably would have been a first round pick anyway. Maybe, maybe not. But those guys that have been picked in the first round have not necessarily worked out all that well for them. I mean, you go back to that 2019 draft where that sort of starts. And Josh Jacobs is the one guy out of the five where you can say, yes, he definitively should have been a first round pick. And he is produced like a first round pick in his first couple of seasons. But if, if they really like who they picked at the right tackle, um, whose leather maker, I, gosh, I can't believe I don't have this right in front of me, but you know who I'm talking about. They know who we mean, right? But if they really like yeah, him, yeah, yeah. They, if they really like him, then that's who Now I'm blanking. Been. And I would have known I, it too, but because you blanked, I blanked too, so what, we're even. What's happening Alex, Alex Leatherwood. Leatherwood. Oh, jeez. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't keep reaching for guys and missing guys. If you reach for guys and you're right, then it's fine. But if you reach for guys and you're not right, then it's not fine. Thank you. That's how you get fired. That's how, yeah. how you get fired. Alex Leatherwood. We'll see what happens there. For me, uh, look, th- this, this may sound like something you've heard before, but I don't like what the 49ers did, giving up three ones and a three to go get Trey Lance, a guy who didn't play but one game last year, and now they're acting like he's not going to play this year because Jimmy G is going to play. I still think that's baloney. But – when you throw on top of this indecision that they seem to welcome, and now they're acting like, oh, we knew all along who we wanted. I don't know that I buy that. I like what the Falcons did. Falcons kept their mouths shut. We don't know who they were going to take. We don't know who they were thinking of taking. If Trey Lance and Kyle Pitts had been there at four, we don't know which guy they would have taken. And whoever they would have taken, we'd have said fine. Because it's not like they were engaging in this public neuroses as to what do we do and we're considering this guy we're considering this guy we're considering them all I just think it makes them look indecisive it makes them look wishy-washy and when you throw on top of it number one that they called the Packers about Aaron Rodgers number two for some reason John Lynch felt compelled to admit that when all he had to say is we don't talk about players under contract with other teams that's the coup de gras. that's the thing that makes them seem like as of Wednesday night they were just like screw it Let's not make a decision. Let's just send that pick plus whatever else we have to send to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I still don't think that you move up to number three unless you know what you're doing. I've been saying that since. Then why'd they call the Packers for Aaron Rodgers? Because it's Aaron Rodgers. Because it's Aaron Rodgers. Now, you don't have to admit that you did that, and I agree with you. They probably shouldn't have admitted it, but. I would still do it, okay? I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. There's a known quantity that you are getting there with Aaron Rodgers, the reigning MVP of the league, one of the best players to ever throw a football. Mike, I'm making the call. I, I mean, I'm making the call. Whether or not it's that's the right an excellent call point. Make, I don't know. And and you know what? It it underscores the point that I made when the 49ers made the trade five weeks ago because whatever they would have had to give up on top of the third overall pick in the draft, okay? Even if you just get Aaron Rodgers for the third overall pick to get the third overall pick. You had to give up three first round picks and a third round pick. That is what they traded for Trey Lance completely unproven commodity. They traded three ones and a three 
to get Trey Lance. And I know there are people, and whenever we get that whole thread thing, oh, no, they just gave up two first rounds. No, no. To get Trey Lance, what they turned in was pick 12 this year, 2022 first rounder, 2023 first rounder, and a third rounder. That's what they traded for Lance. If they could have traded that for Rodgers, you strip away the, there's a chance he's not going to be very good. Look back to 2018. Sam Darnold, right now, fail. Josh Rosen, big fail. Josh Allen, success. Lamar Jackson, success. Baker Mayfield, who the hell knows? Five quarterbacks. Five last night. They're not all five going to become franchise quarterbacks. So uh, I, I can get behind the idea that if you think there's an opening to get Aaron Rodgers, you give it a try. You just don't say it. Here's what I need to say now. We should take a break. Mailbag time when this Friday edition of PFTPM concludes right after this. All right, brother. Wow! That's a great sign of draft room. That's outstanding. That's outstanding. Wow! Can't wait to get you here. Um, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Help us turn this thing around. So turn we know you're going to. Great. Well, we can't wait to see you. Um, congratulations, and we're thrilled. Oh my God. Take care. We'll see you soon. Okay. Bye bye. And that's what happens when you ask for decaf, and they give you caffeinated coffee instead at eight o'clock at night. Hey man, I've been in draft rooms with Brad Holmes before with the Rams. I, I, and Ray Agnew as well. I've never seen them that fired up. I mean, they've been fired up over certain guys, but man, like hitting the table like that, you can tell how bad they wanted Sewell. That's awesome. Well, uh, and next year they'll even have more to work with because they'll have the Rams first rounder, right? They got the Rams first rounder next year and the Rams first rounder the year after that because yep. they couldn't have gotten the Rams first rounder this year. That was in Jacksonville. So get used to Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, and company celebrating those moments. Real quickly, Nelly with a Y. If Rodgers leaves the Packers, do the Bears have the best quarterback situation in the NFC North? Dalton and Fields better than Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, or Jordan Love? Huh, that's a good question. I, I mean, actually, yes, probably. I mean, at least because uh, Fields has the highest ceiling of all those guys, right? I think we know more about Kirk Cousins. We know what his ceiling is. We probably know what Jared Goff's ceiling is, and who knows if he's ever going to be able to hit that again. So, yeah, I think because you've got the highest ceiling, and frankly, I guess we don't know what Jordan Love's ceiling is either, but uh, because he wasn't even a backup quarterback last year, I'm a little eh, on that. So I would say actually the Bears might. And the third stringer in Chicago is the Super Bowl MVP and Nick Foles. Real quickly, New York Nick, is it a good move by the Jets to start Zach Wilson week one? Should they sign a veteran to start the first few weeks? Who's out there to bolster quarterback depth? No, no, no. No. Zach Wilson is the guy. Period. Don't go with anyone else. Right, Miles? You've gone all in with this guy. You're trying to develop a franchise quarterback. Get this guy ready. Put him on the field. That's the way it works now especially if you don't have a guy already on the roster that you can say he's our starter like some of these other teams have said. The offense is quarterback friendly. All they need to do is just let it ride because he's got to learn somehow. All right, we're going to let it ride tonight with the draft. Enjoy the remaining rounds. We'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.